What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up Podcast. Man, it's episode 66. And on this episode, Dimitri and I sit down and have a conversation with HRP's founder, Jamie Shira. And Jamie shares his story of how and why he started Hunter Recruitment Project and the purpose behind it. Jamie shares his mission for HRP, the importance of introducing hunting and having these individuals have success on these hunting trips. We dive into the mentality side of things, breaking the fear for both new and old hunters and lessons learned out in the field. Sit back and enjoy this one. Thanks, Jamie, for coming on and thank you for listening. Antler up. And before we get into this episode, I want to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes the awesome, awesome custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino in Pursuit. He has a Ranger and Whitetail knife, which are amazing for anything for hunting. And he has some other new ones coming out soon. So Shea's creativity, high quality materials, and the design and the precise leather work that he has makes his products last a lifetime and unique like no other. Check out ShaeButlerKnives.com. Also had the opportunity to use the Onyx hunting app this past weekend, dropped a ton of waypoints in a new area. Also finally got a chance to drop that shed antler waypoint. I immediately shared all those with Dimitri. And don't forget, when you sign up with for an elite membership, you get exclusive member benefits from Top Rut, Exo Mountain Gear, Vortex, and more. Go download Onyx Hunt app at onyxmaps.com. And we are coming up to our tether teach and train tour event next month may 15th at cloverleaf archery club it's a free event if you're looking to try out a saddle i highly encourage you to not only come to this one if you're in the area or or one in your area so check it out they're free and if you're coming to cloverleaf make sure you re, uh, reserve your spot that way we know exactly how much food to get man you're going to have some awesome guests there as well so come say hello come hang out in the saddle shoot a little bit uh, so check out tethernation.com. Let's check out America's Best Bowstrings, the number one custom strings made in the USA. And right now, lead time is about two, three days. So within five, six days, you will have the best set of strings coming to you in an awesome color of your liking and the best high quality strings on the market. So check out americasbestbowstrings.com. And before we get into it, just another quick thank you to our buddies, Ian and Owen, for making an awesome, awesome wooden bar for Dimitri and I to record some podcasts on and shoot some cool content video for everybody. So Ian and Owen, thank you so much for all that and uh, we greatly appreciate it. So check out this episode. Thank you, Jamie, for coming on. Until next time, Antler up. On the other line, we're joined tonight by Jamie Shira. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, one of awesome. few people. Yes, Shira. Yeah. All right, man. Good. I'm, I'm being a health and phys ed teacher. Actually, today I had new new students in health class, and I said, everybody, I apologize if I'm going to butcher the name. <laughs> <laughs> but man, Jamie, it's an honor to have you on. Uh, so with the Hunter Recruitment Project, Jamie, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is uh, an honor. Obviously, anytime I can share the story of uh, what we're working on, it's a great experience. No, man, I've, I've been so stoked to have you on, especially after our conversation we had briefly on the telephone last week. And one thing to just get right into a podcast, but I'd love now just reaching out a couple of days prior just to get a chance to get a feel. Yep. And uh, man, your story is fascinating and of what you're doing. And uh, even outside of the Hunter Recruitment Project, just your success as, as a businessman and, and uh, as an individual and 
you know, like you're saying, you're taking classes now to continue on and doing some, some things. And, you know, something I preach to my students is, you know, learning never ends and never it stops. Never ends. Jamie, man, like what have you been up to? What's go, what's going on down in Georgia, right? Yeah. My, yep. Yeah. I live in Atlanta or, or just North of Atlanta, a little spot called Sandy Springs. Um, I uh, moved here after graduating from University of Georgia, go dogs. And uh, been here ever since. Um, we have a restaurant group here, so that's what kind of keeps me anchored here. We've got spots in uh, Nashville and Birmingham and Atlanta, and you know, working on trying to grow that uh, group. And we uh, have this little hunter recruitment project that I've been working on, and it's uh, it's been an incredible experience so far. Um, you know, I grew up on a farm. I hunted my whole life. Uh, never really thought about that people didn't hunt yeah. until uh, I went to school at Georgia. And uh, that shows you kind of how closed off, you know, I was growing up and um, got to it, you know, I went through, through going to school, got away from hunting a lot. Um, I was really intelligent and lost hope scholarship, which pays for your school. And my dad said, Hey, you can either come home and work or you can find a job up there and stay <laughs> in school. And there was really only one option at that time. So I found a job, uh, started bartending and, you know, I worked all the time, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday class all through the week. So didn't get to spend a lot of time coming home, you know, even during holidays and stuff and really got away from it. And then moved to Atlanta and, uh, rekindled it. Um, I actually bought a bow cause I said, I'm, I'm interested in getting back into hunting. I had a bow when I was younger my brother actually sold it, uh, <laughs> without telling me. And, um, I said, look, I, I'm going to get a bow. I'm going to get back into bow hunting. And it just, I, I, I think I, I got my bow. I shot for, I don't know, probably two or three months. Um, kind of got it late summer sat in the deer stand and first time I sat in the deer stand, I had an incredibly beautiful 10 pointer walk up about 30 yards, but it was just too low light to take a shot. Especially I wasn't that comfortable at that time taking a shot and it just lit a fire in me that I was like, man, I have forgotten this. <laughs> and I, I had bow hunted a little bit growing up, I shot a few does, never had a lot of success. Didn't really have anyone to teach me. My dad did bow hunt. So, um, mostly everything we had done and everything that was set up for rifle hunting. And so I was kind of learning on the fly and there weren't the resources available now. Like, I mean, you can literally just get on any number of podcasts and, and listen to and learn from scratch from like how to set it up, how to plant food plots, how to design your property. How, you know, I mean, top to bottom. Absolutely. Um, it, it's an, it's an incredible opportunity for anybody in time for anybody trying to get into it. But I had that experience. It lit a fire under me and I've been in the woods as much as possible ever since. So that's awesome. I guess that's, that's why we're here. Yeah. So I bought a, well, I bought a bell. So now I'm on a podcast. <laughs> well, similar to your point, Jamie, we live in a similar area where, you know, growing up, most people hunted, and the school districts in this area actually give most kids the the first day or two off of rifle season here, yeah. which, <laughs> which we've talked to people where we've talked to people from other places and that's like unheard of. And, you know, I think it was probably when I came back from college and, and started working and, and talking to some of the people I worked with that had kids in high school at that time and, and figuring out that these kids actually are kind of, giving up hunting a little bit and not as many kids were, 
were hunting. And then I think even some of these school districts went from giving two days of the, the first two days of rifle down to one. I, I don't know if that was, you know, school related or if it was actually because there was a lack yeah. of interest in hunting, but you know, that was the first time for me that, you know, it's like, wow, the, these kids actually aren't getting into hunting as much as they, they usually were. Yeah. We had a, a, a fall break before fall break was a thing in school and it was, Thursday and Friday off of school. Um, and we had stuff in spring for Turkey season and, and all that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said something there that kind of speaks to what I'm working on. You have a, regardless if it was the lowered interest or not to change the amount of time off, uh, there is a lowered interest in those kids become fathers or mothers and their kids don't hunt. And that happens for a couple of generations you know, over 30 or 40, 50 years. And then all of a sudden you've lost a significant portion of the population that hunts. I mean, I grew up on a farm. Like I said, we had some cows, my uncle and my dad and my grandparents all lived on our farm and they have two other siblings. Uh, they lived away, but we always had, you know, a cow or two that we split. We shot a couple of deer that we processed. Um, that's what we ate. I mean, we didn't, yeah. we didn't buy a lot of meat from the store. I mean, that was partly because we couldn't afford it, but you know, other reason because we, we had it, right. we took care of it ourselves. Right. I love what you said about even for yourself, Jamie, for me, and I've talked to about this too before when I was the, your typical high school kid, I grew up hunting. I loved it and went out every single year with my dad. I even did archery and that's what I really loved. And I, I was, laugh because every time I shot my, the first time I shot a deer with my bow and I, it was a, a nice mature doe, actually, I don't remember my legs, uh, like touching the platform. Oh, yeah. I just remember I was shaking so hard. Uh, and that was a moment I'll never forget. Like I actually, we went on this past Sunday to visit my dad and his family with, with my family. And I was behind, my dad has a pool now back then he did mm -hmm. not. And I was, I took my daughter for a walk back there and I, I said, just come with me real quick. And I said, see that tree right there? She said, yeah. I said, that's where I shot my first, my first doe out of, and it was back in the woods yeah. a little bit. And, uh, she was like, did you really? And I said, yeah, cause she's seven now and she's interested yeah. in it. And I, I can't wait to, for next year, I, we're going to take her out and do some more fun things with awesome. it. After graduation in high school, like Dimitri said, I came home and, and did a little bit during college, but then once college ended and trying to get a, a job and trying to establish, it got away from me for about three, four years. And it was in my mid twenties when finally I slowed down a little bit. I got a job. I yep. was kind of consistent. And I told my wife, I just said, Hey, I'm going to go in for hunting this year. And she was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, she, <laughs> it was like one of those things, like she knew I did it my whole life and just has yep. been a few years. And she was like, go for it. And then yeah, you know, it, it, like you said, it was seeing deer. It was that excitement again. And I'm like, wow, this actually means a little bit. It feels different and it, and it means different. 100%. And that's when I, it, it rekindled the, the love and relationship with my father. And it just brought a whole new meaning purpose kind of to, to my, to my life, my adulthood. And I'll, I, I'm forever thankful for that, that it, it kind of revisited me. And I always say hindsight's 2020 and, you know, maybe in my younger teenage years and young, younger adult life, I needed that. I needed to be yeah. in the woods that I missed. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, the, the amount of just relaxation and, and meditative quality that you have from having to sit completely still quiet 
And if you purposely leave your phone in the truck or not purposely, and you don't have something to sit there and scroll and you just have to start paying attention to everything around you, you have no option, but to be present. And yeah. I mean, there's uh, thousands and thousands of articles on how good that is for you. <laughs> and you can all Google that if you want to, but I know that when I go home and spend time in the woods, that next week is just as productive as it can be. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm way more dialed in. I'm way more focused on the conversations I'm having. I can tell the people feel that there's something different going on with me. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's beneficial on, on a, a bunch of fronts, but you said something earlier about rekindling your relationship with your dad. Um, I would never say that, that me and my dad lost a relationship at any point in time, but it definitely was like, you know, he was calling me once a month yeah. or, you know, and I'm like, Hey dad, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm working, you know, whatever. And then that's exactly what happened with us. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> I started going home a lot more, started spending a lot more time, started, you know, calling him and asking him questions about, you know, deer hunting and setting stuff up because as I'm moving into Atlanta and I'm opening our business and, you know, I'm meeting all of these people and starting to develop a little bit of an Instagram following, if you even want to call it that, but at the very least people that are paying attention to what I'm doing and I'm hunting. And for a lot of those people, that's so foreign. Yeah. They're starting to ask me questions. They're like, well, how do you do that? Or, or how, you know, Hey, I've got 40 acres. How would I set this up? Or gosh, can you show me how to hang a stand? Can you, you know, and all these, and that's what really started to spark this whole idea behind the hunter recruitment project are all these people, um, you know, hitting me up that I, you know, I've known them for years and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I, I thought you hunted, like you yeah. live in Atlanta. I mean, it's like, there's, first of all, we grow some of the biggest deer in the country <laughs> yeah. in the city of Atlanta, which is really weird. But, um, you know, it was, it was an eye opener for me and I learned very quickly that I didn't know nearly as much about hunting as I thought I did because <laughs> my dad had always done it. Uh, yeah. I grew up our farm. We ran a commercial quail plantation. So along with that, he managed deer, he managed turkeys and he's been doing this his whole life. And he always wanted to be Daniel Boone growing up. So the outdoors to him has always been just like where he lives. Yeah. Um, his idea of fun is still to this day at 66 years old, actually having a birthday party for him this weekend nice. um, is to go get on the bulldozer and, clean up a road or get on the mulcher and clean out some underbrush or whatever he can do, just ride around. I mean, he, you know, sometimes I'll call him, what are you doing? Oh, uh, nothing. Well, no, what are you doing? Well, I'm sitting out here, sitting in the truck, looking at the deer out in the field, you know, he's just sitting there just every afternoon, just, um, that's where he does his thinking. And so I think it's kind of second nature for me. Um, but it's, it's been a really awesome experience getting back to that, consistent relationship where we talk, yeah. you know, three, four times a week. And it's about 50% hunting yep. and 50% business stuff. I mean, yeah. he's been and done and, and, you know, had any problem that I'll ever have with business in his life. And it's such a great resource to have that. And I think that's something that hunting, if you don't have that, it's something that hunting can give you and your kids or you and your family. Um, and I don't think very many people look at it that way. Right. 
I'm okay with jumping around on this just because I, I want to make sure we, we hit a yeah. bunch of topics. So we <laughs> yeah. could, we could go all over the place and, and man, I, I, I love it just because there's two areas where already like number one, I could tell blue collar, no wonder why you're successful, probably working hands dirty, learning that from your father at a very young yeah. age. Like you said, yep. <laughs> working on a farm this afternoon. Yep. Um, <laughs> always doing something and always improving. And, uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Just, like straight up. I mean, I love talking to individuals 100%. about that and, you know, where, where that mindset is. I'm telling my high school baseball kids, you're faced with adversity every single day. And I know they don't get it yet. And I maybe when they are my age, our age, and you know, in their young mid thirties and they're able to just sit there and be like, Oh, I'm hoping that one time, one thing I say actually clicks yep. for them about that, like their grit. What are you going to do to persevere to get through the next thing and push through? Like, okay, we're, we, you got kicked in the face here. What are you going to do right. to to get up and, and move forward? And I hope, you know, I, I hope our youth could see that. And I kind of going off of that somewhat a little bit, you know, I could be wrong. So please, you know, call me out and, yep. and tell me this. You started Hunter Recruitment Project last year, correct? Yep. So now yeah, the actual official thing last year. Yes. Right. So what in the world, how perfect of a time to create that because of what ended up like, obviously you're not a, a foreseer and, and knowing like COVID was yeah. going yeah. to happen, but Holy heck, I'm sure you probably were like, Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Everybody had a lot of time last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're right. So I, I went to an event called it's Everly Stock. It's a, a, yep. a company that makes incredible packs and, and outdoor gear. And I got randomly, well, because of Baker, that's the only reason why I got invited <laughs> to their first out there event, which is absolutely one of my favorite things on the planet to do. You just basically go and learn how to shoot pistols and rifle and long range from some of the best in the world. Yeah, that sounds period. amazing. And you're in Idaho on a river in a valley with like, deer over here just grazing and horses and you're camping and you meet all of these unbelievable people. Um, I then met a guy named, uh, I'd met Bert Soren before, but didn't know him, uh, but met him and met Brandon Lilly. And these are the type of events where you just really, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from when you leave, like if you're there, it's because you're, you know, a good person. Mm-hmm. And when you leave, everybody there is, has some level of relationship. I built a great relationship with those guys. I got invited to the Sorenex Did you um, really strong event the oh, next year? Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm dying to get on that one. We had Bert on and, uh, Bert, Bert was the man. Yeah. Bert was phenomenal. He was a great, great dude. Bert's, you know, I'm taking a side here. Bert's one of the guys that I look up to from just an overall character mm. you know the way that he runs his life the way that he runs his family he's just an incredible good christian guy and i i, I couldn't i mean it's a role model for anyone so yeah. um i got to know them there a lot better and i left that weekend you know just like charged up i mean i was on fire everything's just like you know moving at an insanely rapid pace and i remember calling brandon and saying you know, Hey, I've got to figure out how can I get in? What's my contribution, right? It's cool to go to events. Um, but I hate being a taker Uh and not a giver. 
Um, I don't know if you've, uh, everyone's had that roommate that's just a taker that just like uses all the salt, <laughs> uses all the pepper, uses all the butter. And you're just like, dude, can you please buy paper towels one time? <laughs> like that drives, you know, that's, that's the person I never want to be. And so I've got to figure out some way to give back to this community, right? Those people don't want anything back directly, right? For, you know, they don't, they don't want anything back directly. They want to create more community. So I had five or six different phone calls and, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. Couldn't put my thumb on it. And, you know, we were going to do a hunting camp and I said, Hey, I've got this new place. We have a ton of does that we need to kill. So why don't I just take a bunch of people hunting and see how it goes. And and I'm trying to figure out a name and a brand. And this is all like, like mid February, first weekend in February into March. So right as COVID's like, yeah, coming to America and you know, I, I'm not like, I I'm in the restaurant business. So I think I probably had a heightened, a much more heightened sense of what this could be. And was definitely like my, and my fiance is a nurse and she was treating people like in October and November that had COVID symptoms. I'm not going to say they had COVID because we don't have tests, but anyways, you know, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, this is something serious. Um, but it just all kind of happened at the same time where we came together, we kind of decided on this thing, uh, and then COVID hits. And so all of a sudden I have a lot of time to work on this. Um, we have to shut down for, you know, eight weeks and, and, uh, some places we have to shut down for 16 weeks and other places and limited capacity and no events. And I, I do the marketing stuff. So you can't, there's not a lot to market when you don't have events and you can't create new stuff. So my marketing was basically like, please come help us and let us go out of business. And we've got to go food and, you know, we're launching a market, but it just wasn't that labor intensive. So I spent a lot of time organizing, um, and I was talking to Baker one day and I was like, man, I just cannot figure out like, well, what are we going to name this thing? Like it's got to have a cool name, you know? And he's like, well, I, don't, I mean, and I was like, you know, we're, I was like, so what are we doing? We're recruiting new hunters. We're you know, taking them out in the field. And he's like, well, why don't you just call it the hunter recruitment project? And I'm like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we should call it. That makes sense. Um, and it was born. Um, we had our first event in September we took seven people hunting, um, all hundred percent success rate, killed their first animal. Um, and just the emotion from that, but we, I just, you know, we were going to do one event a year, mm-hmm. really. That was, that was it. It's cause you know, people's schedules and everything and just trying to figure it out. Well, the response that we had from that one event huge, very quickly was like, all right, we got to do another one this year. This is incredible. I mean, every single person at that event had a straight up, like pulled me to the side, grabbed me by my shirt. Like, man, this is one of the best experiences I've ever had from a mentor and a mentee side, you know, the new hunters and the people that have been hunting their whole life. Um, and it's something that I found out several years ago by taking some of those people from Atlanta, taking those people that have never been hunting, um, never sat in a deer stand and watching them have success and just that emotional uh, it's, it's a very cathartic event. They're a different person after that hap- after they kill an animal than before, just period. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like you can't really, I feel like you can't really respect life until you take one mm-hmm. and whether that's an animal or, you know, you're fighting in a war or whatever, 
Um, those are two totally different things, but it's, there's still a, a relationship there where you say, Whoa, my hands just killed that thing on purpose, you know, not like on accident. Right. And there's a totally different level of respect that happens after that. And so I was having more enjoyment taking those people hunting. That's what kind of started the whole idea. And then once we had that event, the community and not just a one-on-one environment, mm-hmm. but you go out, you know, whitetail hunting is not very strenuous, but when it's 85 degrees and you're sitting in a blind, it's not very comfortable either. <laughs> and, um, you know, we come home and there's a little bit of success and there's almost successes and man, we saw it deer. It was right at last light. And it was so awesome, but man, you know, and there's just all these emotions flying around. You got one person like on the highest high, you got one person who missed is on the lowest of lows and everybody tells their story standing around a table. And that's one of the huge components of what we do is, is the big group dinner after every hunt. Um, breakfast and lunch is kind of like, you know, whatever, but the big dinner, everybody has a beer or two, you sit around, you tell the stories and then, you know, you have like my dad there who is just this guy that would just start talking and no one's paying attention. And then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, everybody in the entire room is like a fix on what he's talking about, you know? And you know, you got to get up at five AM the next morning, but it's nine o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, it's 11 o'clock. And you're just the stories and the emotional bonds that are being created. And then the side conversations that are happening and the relationships that are being built from there. And, you know, I've got text threads with each one of those groups and they, they all, text you know we've got an event this weekend where we're doing the fly fishing thing and and i've already gotten you know five or six different texts from some of the people like man i'm so excited i can't believe this you know i need this so much i'm so excited to get out into the woods i'm so excited to learn a new skill i'm so excited to learn this so that i can teach my significant other or my kids or whatever it is um everyone's got a reason for it and i think you know that reason you know is kind of may change when they get to that event and they see like what exactly happens, but uh, it's been an incredible experience so far and we're just getting started. Uh, we, uh, we we're planning on seven events this year. So um, I've taken a guy turkey hunting um, and we've got the fly fishing event. We're going to do two summer camps uh, where we basically take people out and the hunting aspect will be hog hunting at okay. night, which is going to be yeah. an incredible experience for anyone who's never hunted before. <laughs> um, and, but we're going to do educational base. So you're going to have how to plant food plots, how to hang stands, you know, how to set cameras, how to, you know, cut your paths, how to do all the little things that, you know, you don't really learn unless you get out there and do it. Right. Um, for many years and screwed have- up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, yeah. you know, it's like, I gotta, I gotta find a mentor that knows yeah. all that stuff so that I can just stand back and go, yeah, do what he said, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm learning every day. I, I, uh, it's crazy at the amount of knowledge I've gained over the last five or six years. Um, but it's even crazier how much more information I need <laughs> to learn. Um, and it's, it's funny cause I'll ask my dad, I said he wasn't a bow hunter, but you know, he's just watched animals his whole life. And I'll be like, well, you know, I put this stand here and I'm thinking that this is where, well, you know, and the wind's going to be normally this way. And he's like, well, yeah, but you're on the other side of a ridge. So your wind's going to be the opposite and you kind of mess this up. So you need to, and I'm like, 
all right, well, why didn't you tell me that before I <laughs> did all this? But anyways, um, so seven events, two, two summer camps, and then hopefully four hunts, awesome. uh, four deer hunts. So, um, it's going to be busy, but we're excited. Um, I think the, the goal is, um, 30 or 40 people this year put into the woods. Whereas last year we did, we did 18. Um, and that's just through the big event. So I take random people all the time as well. Uh, one off stuff. So, um, yeah, that's the goal of this year. Now, are you taking, uh, young kids or is these mainly adults? Cause you talked a little bit about harvesting the animal, respecting the animal. And, you know, I know growing up as a kid, that's a little bit harder to understand. And and I think even these kids nowadays is, is even harder than what we had just because of social media and, you know, maybe are they hunting just for the, you know, to kill something for the likes or they could post it. You know, I know for myself, I mean, you didn't quite understand it because you weren't trying to feed a family. Right. You know, and that's the biggest thing that I've really learned of, of being a father now and, and having a family, uh, how much more you respect that animal after you harvest it. Cause you know, you're going to put that on your table. And, you know, it took me a while, probably, you know, till I was an older, a little bit older of an adult to, to really grasp that concept, sure. and, you know, which is a hard thing to teach new hunters. And, you know, I was just curious of how you go about that, whether, you know, it's a different age range that you're kind of bringing into the hunting world. Yeah. So our, our focus is definitely on uh, adults. Um, there's a ton of programs getting kids into the outdoors. Um, if the kids' parents don't hunt though, the opportunity for them is going to be very unlikely. Um, so how can I teach people that are, you know, young adults, they're post college or at the end of college up until, you know, whatever age they want, they, they are, um, they have their own ability to make their own decisions. Um, they have their, own, their money to, to spend on tags, to spend on equipment, to be a part of the community. Um, they have the ability to decide for themselves to hunt. Um, I've seen, you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of kids programs and uh, we did some, uh, on that commercial quail plantation, we had a bunch of skeet shooting. And so we would take kids out there for that and we'd take kids wing shooting. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you'd see parents like, get done and the parents are just they're out of their element they don't enjoy it at all and they're like all right that's the last time we're doing this you need to get your butt in the car we're going home um and you know that's that's there's a whole nother element to that as well um i can't draw from as much of a range of people mm-hmm. with adults as i can with i mean with with kids as i can with adults and pulling the people that um, are very, very interested in making this part of their lifestyle and not just to have a cool opportunity to go hang out with some cool people, uh, is a huge, huge component of ours. Uh, we say if, if they aren't purchasing a tag the following season, then we haven't succeeded. Um, that's, that's just the, the, the bare truth for me that, I'm not being successful if I'm not actually creating hunters. It's right. cool to have, you know, events. We have cool people come and hunt, but if they aren't becoming a hunter and, and spending time in the outdoors and spending time on ammunition and guns and, and licenses, which all raises money for conservation, then we're not doing our job. Right. I feel like too, have you noticed that an individual that is older, the more the individuals that you're dealing with are more 
they like they want they're more willing to come out and participate and want to take part in this lifestyle because they have someone to kind of learn by and be taken under that wing it's not just like you could because these per people they might already have been wanting to do this but they're like man how do i do it I, who am i going to learn from because they don't have that individual in their life and now they do and now they have that group of individuals to kind of you know collect and pull them together and it changes that mindset right well you know as well as i do growing up hunting um <laughs> there's a lot of like protective <laughs> Uh, non-communication around how to hunt and where to hunt and where the animals are. And, you know, nobody wants to give up their spots. Nobody wants to give up their knowledge. And there's been that mindset of scarcity for so long that it's creating the negative effects that you see now where you're just, you know, I think last year was the first year population hunting population actually went up. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with coronavirus and then a lot of those people won't be hunting again this year when there's football games and everything else to go to, but, um, I hope that's not the case, but, um, I want to approach it from an abundance mindset and that there are resources for all if we take care of it and we're good stewards of the, of, you know, our environments that you're in. Um, but I really, I really feel like the older people, the main reason why they don't get into hunting is because they're scared to look stupid, right? The reason why we don't do things is because of fear, right? Fear of being made fun of fear of asking the dumb question, fear of whatever. And so, you know, when I invite someone, that's kind of one of the first components of the conversation that I say is like, Hey, you know, you're invited. This is a total like non-judgment, you know, judgment free zone. We're not, if you don't know the slightest thing about how to tie your boots, make sure you ask because my goal is to educate you to the point where when you leave this weekend, you at least have the foundation of information necessary to go to the store or go to, you know, wherever you need to go to get the stuff that you need to be able to hunt in your home state. Right. And you aren't going to know all the answers and you're not going to remember half what I say, but you have a resource of me to, or any of these other mentors or any other hunters that you're hunting with to reach back out and to keep that continuous communication. And uh, there were actually a couple people, um, that, you know, said the biggest impact for them was the fact that they didn't feel, you know, like a fraud for being there. They didn't feel like they were an idiot for asking, you know, why does the deer's tail go up? Why does, you know, yeah. what are they eating? What, why do you plant food plots? What, you know, I mean, some of the basic things that most people are like, well, yeah, duh, it's basic that if you don't know, you don't know. And that's, I think that's been a huge reason why a lot of people don't get into hunting or get into anything really in life is kind of the, the no new friends club. So you yeah. want to eliminate that. Yeah. Breaking that fear. Just like you said, I, I wrote that down. Just, you know, that's, I feel like that's a, a good a good like place to be where, you know, cause my next question was going to be where, where, where's that mentality? Like, where do these people come in say like, where's their mentality before? And then after that weekend that you spend with them, like where, like, where are they at? Uh, like you said, it's life changing and it's, it's, yeah. it's life changing for me each time I get out there and whether I kill an animal or not. Uh, but like those individuals that, like you said, like getting the text messages for this weekend for the fly fishing trip, like I need that. And that's more yep. than ever. So like, where, where is that? Cause that's, I find that fascinating. Yeah. A lot of, most of the people, um, were, you know, apprehensive mm -hmm. to say the least. Um, 
then we get them out there and, you know, you've got, you know, a seal sniper teaching them how to shoot their gun. Uh-huh. Right. And they're like, okay, like I feel confident now, <laughs> you know, and they're putting, you know, three inch groups at a hundred yards and they may have never even shot a rifle before. You know, you're teaching them very basic firearm safety rules. You're showing them, you know, how deer move. And it's and the beautiful thing about whitetail hunting is that there's a lot of time to sit mm-hmm. there and talk. And you can educate continually the whole time there. And you're saying, you know, what questions do you have? What, you know, what about this? What do you think about this? Or, hey, this is what's happening. What do you think? Why do you think? Which way is the wind blowing, right? What, which way is the sun coming up? And you're teaching people situational awareness. You're teaching them just all, everything that goes into being in the outdoors safely. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the people, if, if you're getting into hunting, you probably have, you know, spent some time outdoors, whether it's hiking or camping or what have you. There's not a lot of like, never having been outside jumping right into going deer hunting. Um, so that that's always been a benefit, but it, it is, you can see by day two, just everyone's guard is gone. Mm-hmm. Everyone's shoulders are lowered. Everyone is hugging and talking and having that communication, which I mean, in this last year was such a needed thing. I mean, cause we had people, you know, coming from Northwest and Northeast and they've been, locked up in their house for months on end and they're getting that interpersonal communication and interaction and everyone feels very comfortable. You know, they, they real like a lot of people, unfortunately from the outside to look into the hunting industry. Right. And, and I grew up in this environment. Um, it's just a bunch of dumb rednecks out there riding around and shooting animals. Right. And they don't have, they don't want to listen. They don't want to have the conversation. They don't want to get to know you. And when you bring in people that are from that outside world, and I'm telling them, Hey, here's a pin on the map in South Georgia. There's probably not going to be cell service. So write down the address, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of apprehension, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I get that. And then they show up and they're like, Oh, well, we aren't that different. Oh, well, we actually see eye to eye on a lot of things. Oh, well, your opinions are very similar to mine or, Oh, Hey, that's a better opinion than the one I had or, I'm, you know, learning from someone else and saying, well, I didn't actually think of it that way. And, and it, just like this podcast where there's long form communication, when you're stuck in a cabin with somebody for three days and you share a camp with them, um, a lot of the truths come out about who you are as a person. And generally we're not that far apart, right? right? Everything around us that we watch and consume is built to create divisiveness because divisiveness creates anger and that's what sells ads. And, we know that, but yet we still play the game and it's a constant, you know, gotcha moment where you're trying to catch somebody saying something that's different than what they said last year. And it's like, well, yeah, if my opinion on something hasn't changed in a year, at least to the slightest amount, then I'm probably not learning or growing or developing as a person because things change consistently. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you find it difficult with some of the, the new hunters coming in and, you know, obviously you're trying to give them the best experience possible. So, you know, maybe you have good properties or, you know, they're learning where they're actually seeing some animals and, you know, afterwards they're going to go on their own. They're going to maybe have to hunt public ground since they don't have private. And so, you know, some areas around here, it's a little low density. So if we were bringing yeah. in a new hunter and, you know, even though we hunt public ground and, and, and maybe we know a little bit more where the deer are and, and have a little more encounters. Now, when they go on their own, the hardest thing is to kind of keep their interest. Right. So, 
we know when they go on their own, they, they may not have the same experience. You know, maybe they see a deer, maybe they don't. Do they get frustrated? I think that's a little bit easier for, for adults because they can kind of grasp that concept right. a little more like, like, you know, I'm going to have to put more work in this. But I think sure. even with younger population, that's why we're seeing a decline in, in their in, engagement in the outdoors because if they can't be on their phone for five minutes and they're not seeing an animal, they probably want to leave the woods. You know, how do you, it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. So how do you educate those people not to get frustrated and then kind of motivate them to keep pushing through that? Well, first and foremost, we tell them straight up like, Hey, this is an agricultural piece of property. We have an insanely high density of animals more than you're going to see in the vast majority of places that you're going to hunt whitetails. I was a little worried about that at first. Um, and it's hysterical because the first hunt we saw like three deer between everybody <laughs> hunting the first afternoon and I'm sending them trail cam picks of like 25 deer out in the field, you know, getting everybody fired up <laughs> and the weather was so awful and we didn't see anything. And I was just like, Oh man, I got cake on my face. This is awful. But, um, <laughs> It, it, it wasn't that easy. Um, in fact, uh, two people didn't kill an animal until the last night, like the last, like sun going down very last minute. Um, and we spent a lot of time in the deer stand. And so I think that they actually got a more realistic experience because there were a lot of times that there was just nothing in the fields. Um, but I think to that point, communicating them up front that this is not what it's going to be like. And then, you know, if we're bringing in the right people and the right, and they have the right intention, you know, people want to challenge, right? It's like, okay, I went and sat in a stand on private land. I shot this deer. All right. What's the next thing? I'm going to hang my own stand on public land, or I'm going to buy a tag and go hunt somewhere that's maybe a little bit more difficult or, or whatever it may be. Right. And so that's what I've seen. So, um, you know, I saw some people that were getting out in their own woods, trying to do it. And that's going to mean more to them in the long run um, anyways. And, you know, hopefully that, hopefully the people we're bringing in are all high character. So that's, that's kind of how they look at it. You know, it's just, it's just the next evolution as yeah. a hunter, I'm going to come here, everything's set up, food plots are planted. They know where the deer are. They know where to play the wind. Now I've got to learn all of that game. And I'm probably going to be really bad at it for the next two or three years, but hopefully I can have enough success that, you know, they don't lose interest. Um, and it keeps them going for you know years to come. And they enjoy it. That's like Demetri and I, we mm -hmm. are going to be doing our first food plot, uh, plan this summer. So we're excited nice. for that. You know, we had our, our buddies, uh, Mike and Tim on from domain outdoor and, yep. uh, they, you know, they just said it's just another piece of the puzzle. And if anything, it gets you outside and, and doing that. And just another aspect of, of the game where, like you said, it's part of that process and it's the next rabbit hole for individuals yeah. to go under. And I think, too, what we were just talking about, and I wrote this down earlier because you talked about it, uh, Jamie, when you said, you know, when you go out there phone free or whatever and you're enjoying that moment, you're kind of disconnecting your part of you know, you're focusing on your hunt or with that individual, you know, whether you're by yourself or with someone. And then when you come back, you're also then you're ready to rock and roll. You're ready to tackle the week. You're you're, you're feeling good doing all that stuff. And that's a, that's like, for me, I wrote down chasing that feeling because 
not only do I, you know, during the rut or whatever, and it's, it's heartbreaking, it's emotional, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's craziness all at the same the worst time. Worst day ever. Worst day, day ever. ever. Yep. Best day ever. <laughs> it's there, there are moments that we, we live for, but man, when Dimitri and I and our buddy, uh, Tim went out to Utah this past year, which Tim has done it for many years and people are probably sick of hearing it on our podcast, but it was Dimitri and I's first trip. And mm -hmm. man, I just talked about it this past week, at least a dozen times to random people <laughs> that probably could care less about it. But that feeling I'm, I'm dying to go back there. Like I'm dying to just oh. be just, uh, just to go camp with, with Dimitri again yeah. and, and Tim and our buddies and just go focus on only on hunting. What, what's my, where my feet are. And only in that moment, not to say I wasn't thinking about my wife and my daughter and, and everything else, but it's just, it's different and it's hard to explain. And I hope that, you know, adults that you're bringing into this, you know, I, the crew that you have around them, I guarantee you, even if, even if hunting isn't going to be their, you know, sole purpose, but they're going to make mm -hmm. it somewhat of their lifestyle, man, you have, like you said, Bert Sorn and Brandon Lilly, individuals who are just you know, from the outside, like I said, we met Bert, we had him on the podcast, phenomenal. But just knowing how Brandon, I met Brandon back when he was Brandon of powerlifting, big Brandon, powerlifting at the Arnold Classic. Just, man, like, that's who you want to be around. That's who you want to know. That's how, how, like you said, you want to emulate and, you know, be, look up to. And, you know, like yep. I said, just chasing that feeling, uh, man, I, it's just something that I wish someone could experience one time. And because yeah, then, then they're hooked. I can wholeheartedly relate. I've been on three uh, self-guided elk hunts in Idaho, and I've seen one elk <laughs> at a very long distance. And, you know, that's just part of it. Um, there are people around me being successful. Um, I'm a very green elk hunter. The first, like, three years ago was my first time ever uh, going out there self-guided and uh, bow hunting on top of that, which makes it, you know, incredibly difficult. But, um <laughs> I mean, I want to kill an elk because I want the elk meat in my fridge, in my freezer for the year. But, you know, you come back from that trip generally do five day, four night somewhere in there. And it's, it's actually really hard to explain to someone that's never done it. Um, it's hard to put into words what it feels like standing on an outcropping overlooking a huge valley with elk bugling over here and elk bugling over there and the sun's coming up and it's fresh air. And, you know, all you've had is like half a gallon of black coffee, you know, running through, running through your veins. And, um, you're just, it's just like, man, this is, you know, what I was kind of made to do. Yeah. Um, like actually this is what we were made to do is to go out into these places and, and be out in the wild and be a part of nature and, and, you know, hunt for food and, and all of that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I hope that that's the same feeling that the people that we bring in get, um, you know, some of the best days I've had is just going and sitting out in the deer stand when I know it's not even going to be a good day, but the weather feels nice and just leaving the phone in the truck and, taking a book, even if that's what I want to do and be like, Oh, sorry. I was sitting in deer stand, you know, I didn't have any service. Yeah. My bad. You know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing escape. Well, I think even for some of us that are longtime hunters, I think it's important 
force to even grow ourselves and, and kind of step out of our comfort zone, whether it's going out west or hunting a new state that maybe we've never, you know, stepped foot in and hunt some of these harder public land areas, which is not only going to help us grow as a hunter, but educate us of how to be a better mentor to some of these hunters that are new to it and kind of keep them motivated. And also I think you know, how you have those kind of those text groups that you kind of continue on, not just that year that you, yep. they're part of the program, but afterwards that they can refer back to. And you can tell them that, like, I'm here to help you, you know, yep. whether it's five years down the road, you have a question, I can help you. And that's going to kind of help keep their engagement in those tougher times when they can kind of not only you, but the whole group that's kind of growing together bounce ideas off each other, which is going to make a little bit transition easier as they grow. hundred percent. I actually went uh, turkey hunting a couple of times uh, here in North of Atlanta on public land um, because I had quite a few people asking me about going turkey hunting and um, our turkey population has been decimated where we're at by hogs and, and predators. And so it's not, I can't really take people turkey hunting, but it's something that, you know, it's, probably my favorite thing to do. Um, and so I just went up there and got on, you know, my, my base map and started putting in, you know, little coordinates and looking at the river and looking at elevation changes and finding ridges and getting deeper in where people weren't going and watching where kind of people were coming in and coming out and just trying to, you know, create some sort of a, a, a system that I could communicate to these people that really wanted to go, Hey man, I, I don't, I don't know. I, saw some scratching here and it looks like there's water and food and, and all that. I would go check that out, you know, and they call me, man, we didn't see one, but they were gobbling. It was crazy. You know, and that right there, it's like, gotcha. Yeah. You know, you're in, yep. you're going to go back. Um, so that's, that, that's absolutely right. And the more that, um, you know, that, that was one thing that I, you know, I faced a lot of trouble with is trying to figure out, you know, where the elk were the first two years that we went and we realized that, tags we we bought were not great areas um and the third year we were in them uh the last two days but it was just it was chaos it was some of the thickest stuff i've ever been in but we literally like pulling in like pulled a guy over you know i said hey man maybe he was headed out packed up so you know where you been have you heard anything have you seen anything you know he's like yeah you know go check out over here went over there talked to the next guy talked to the next guy and <laughs> just kind of get getting a little bit closer and closer and finally i found them um in our unit and it was you know that's that's a hard thing for somebody that's never never hunted before and and you know doesn't even know the questions to ask so that's kind of the point of what we're doing is um base maps one of our one of our sponsors and they gave everybody that hunted uh, a, a membership for the year cool. so that they could look and then eastman's did their tag hub thing to show you through that yep. whole process of how to get tags and and all of that and so just trying to you know showing people resources first of all i mean that was my thing i remember i think it was after eastman's had released their tag hub thing i think i was talking to baker one day or, or somebody and i was like man why is there not a company that has, you know, a central thing that can show you where, you know, how to get your tags and, and put all the data together for harvest rates. Cause I was doing it myself on Excel. Right. So I was pulling all this information. I was filling out and making my own graphs and like trying to figure out probability of like when, and then looking at the dates and trying to schedule flights along with the moon cycle and all this <laughs> stuff. I'm like, why did somebody have this already? And they're like, 
they do. I'm like, oh, well, that would have been a lot easier to know. Um, and so, you know, we sit down and, you know, kind of the middle of the day after lunch, we go through like how to use these softwares, how to be, you know, how do you increase that 1%, 2%, 3% in every area of what you're doing? You know, what are you wearing? How are you sitting? How are you hunting? How are you, what are you shooting? How are you right. shooting? Where are you hunting? You know, what areas are you in? What are you looking for? You know, habitat, foliage, all that stuff, how to hang your stand prep, you know, all these little components. And if you just get a little bit better at all those things, you're going to have a lot higher success rate. Yeah. We have, we, our, uh, go hunt is called Tim Seasock. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's our buddy, Tim, man. He's been, uh, going out solo for, uh, at least eight years. I want to say he's probably going to say, no, it's been more than that. But, uh, last year was the first year where he's been kind of, we had, he had someone else to piggyback with and it was Dimitri and I, and, uh, he came out, we came out of January or February, Dimitri, do you remember? Uh, I think it was February because I think a lot of this stuff was due around March time. So it was about a month before. Yeah. So he came out to my house on a February night and drove about two and a half hours. Cause he's from where I grew up in Northeast PA okay. and Dimitri and I are, like I said, central, uh, in Pennsylvania and drove two and a half hours, came out, sit down on the dinner table. We had everything spread out two computers wrote down, you know, okay, where are units? Where does he have points? Demetri and I came in with no yep. points anywhere, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, and we looked at, okay, where can we get in with bonus tags? Where can we get in with, you know, group tags? I'm, I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. And okay. Hey, if we go here, we have a, a decent chance. Hey, look at, this is on the border of Colorado where it's a, um, uh, you know, a 15 year draw, but we're pretty close. You never know migrating animals, all that mm -hmm. type of stuff. And we just, hammered it out he came up uh brought some elk meat with him because he shot a oh yeah he'd shot a bull uh in idaho mm -hmm. yeah yes. in in idaho is where uh he did and Dang it. dude I'll, i'm gonna <laughs> i'll i'm gonna text you the image because he got it back finally yesterday and i mean the first image of him like out there with the animal was f phenomenal unbelievable but the mount job i was just like how did you fit that in your house? He's like, yeah. I'm very carefully. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. so we, when we were hunting out there, we were one, we, we were, we were basically behind the bulls the whole time. We, we didn't know where they started and where they were going and any of that. And we only had two days left. So we were, we were trying to not just blow through them and we're trying to work around them and all this anyways, one Ridge over. So we were in like the thickest stuff you could be. I mean, you couldn't even walk and it was, awful. Yeah. We're just like kind of like laying into it and <laughs> one ridge over it opened up into this beautiful big valley. And I mean, this guy's probably, I don't know, five, 600 yards away from us, maybe just sitting on the edge of this, this, this little meadow calls this bull out there. Shoots like a, you know, a six by seven absolute <laughs> monster. And he, we were eating breakfast the next morning and he comes strolling in there, you know, all smiling. I'm like, what's up? Been hunting. He's like, yeah. It's like, obviously you had some success. He's like, yeah. And just pulls his phone out. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. And we start <laughs> talking and he, he shows, cause he, that was his tag. And he's like, there's like five or six more monsters and starts looking on his little app. And I'm like, you're literally across the ridge from us. I'm, I'm, 
I'm devastated. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable. I just sent you oh. the image. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Holy cow. That's incredible. Yeah. Man, that mountain job is insane. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, almost red. Yeah. It was, it was a unbelievable. His story is crazy too. Like he was by himself and he's packed. He made like four trips and by himself, <laughs> just packing that sucker out, man. He's like, I, he goes through. Then he says, he's like, I thought I was going to die. Like he was like, legit. Oh yeah. I bet. Yeah. Cause the, it got real hot that day. I think it was in the seventies. So what he had to do is he had to hike his meat down the mountain to the nearest Creek to cool it off or it was going to spoil. And then he had to go back up, get more meat. And he made like four trips. And then I think, what did he say? He had to finally got a hold of someone to help pack it out <laughs> the next day. And just to make sure the meat didn't spoil oh, yeah. the miles, that he, the miles that he put on. But, you know, and I, I think, you know, these stories we're telling it is just goes to show that even some of these new hunters, or if you're, you know, just trying to become a better hunter is just to try to pick any brain that you can get to. Right. And, and not be afraid to, to ask questions and, and, and kind of build these relationships. So that's why I think it's even good to go to these events, whether it's maybe you just go to a 3d shoot or, you know, you don't Absolutely. have to be a new hunter or go Absolutely. to a new hunter uh recruitment project maybe you know there's all sorts of 3d shoots and or you know events uh, out there that you can just go and talk to random people you know it doesn't even have to be someone famous maybe yeah. there's a great hunter of the, just this older gentleman standing there that's looking for someone to talk to that could tell you stories and i think a lot of times you know we rely on on some of these bigger social media the you know, maybe it's a podcast or videos out there where these wealth of knowledge of some of these people at these events that you could just pick their brain uh, and become a much better hunter yourself and really build these relationships. Yeah. If there's an OG standing there that's not saying a whole lot to a lot of people and just kind of smirking, <laughs> looking around, that's probably the guy you can talk to because he probably knows more than anyone else there for sure. But you know, another tool that is just, it's the easiest tool period is Instagram. I mean, there are, there are famous, you know, Insta famous hunters for sure, but there are tens of thousands of absolute, you know, killers, yeah, killers that no one knows or has heard of. And if we're all separated by six degrees, right? So you have to, if you, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out how to get into hunting, there's someone, you know, that hunts mm -hmm. start there. Hey man. I don't know if you can take me hunting. If you can, that would be awesome. But if not, can I get you on the phone for an hour and ask you some questions? Anybody that knows anything about hunting is going to be absolutely fired up to talk with somebody that <laughs> wants to get into it. Right. And then <clears throat> who does that person know? Cause that person hunts with someone, that person hunts with someone, build a network, start communicating, looking people up on Instagram, you know, start, st I mean, just start in, in their private messages. You know, hey man, I love what you're doing. This is incredible. Um, you know, I, I had a kid uh, that was going to sniper school at Fort Benning in Georgia. It's from Kansas originally. Randomly messaged me, hey, I see you're from South Georgia. I'm going to be on Benning. They allow hunting. Um, I've never hunted in Georgia. I have no idea how to hunt in Georgia. You might have asked you some questions. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. And ended up, you know, we had a, a 5,000 word conversation just over social media. And he's like, dude, thanks so much. And I'm like, well, you better send me a picture, you know, 
<laughs> when you when you kill something and yep. and that's super simple i mean yep. that takes no time to message and guess what not everyone's going to respond but reach out to the next person i mean 3d shoots absolutely podcasts i mean there are invaluable amounts of information on podcasts there are some you know some of the highest educated people that like john dudley has on the guy from auburn i can't remember his name but just he's a he's a dear scientist basically and just listening to that information it's like holy cow man i didn't know anything about deer and just learning i mean there's i still to this day watch youtubes on how to set up certain stand situations you know um there's a i think a channel called whitetail properties mm-hmm. i think yep i mean that guy is as detailed as it gets like you know angled this way with the sun coming up and down this way and and you know there's just a wealth of information and and that's a good thing it's a bad thing because there's anybody can be a professional but um, you know, used to, you had to be taught by someone and that's just not the case anymore. You right. know, practice your shooting, go to your range. If you have a yard, get you a archery target. If you shoot rifle, go to a range or somewhere, put in the effort, put in the time. Um, and you, you'll find success. Yeah, no, man, I, I love it. And you, know, you talked about seven events happening this year and, you know, do you have any other goals or other, you know, you know, future plans? Yeah. Yeah. The goal is to, um, grow this obviously in other States and chapters and stuff. Um, how I do that is, is where I'm kind of finding myself in a, in a, in a standstill. But I think through the events and through having certain mentors in, it's going to be a lot easier to find those people that first of all, have the desire, have the willingness, have the time and have the place to host people. Because one of the biggest things for me is I am trying to do this, on high density population areas to provide success. Um, because I, I think it's hugely important to have that, as I said earlier, cathartic event where your whole life shifts to seeing things a different way in order to truly appreciate what you're doing. I mean, it's cool to go hang out on the forum with some cool people and have some great dinner and some, you know, awesome steaks and, and, and drink some wine and all that. But if you don't actually get out there and have that, legit experience of, of killing something. You're just, you're not going to have the emotional, uh, response that, that I think is needed to really turn everything on. Yeah. I love it. Dimitri, you got anything else, man? I'm, I, no, I think that's great. Yeah, no, I, it's about changing lives, man. And, and you are doing it one, you know, one, one weekend at a time, it just seems like, and man, it, it's, it's phenomenal. And whenever you get some ideas for, for some chapters, man, I just, that, that sounds like a, um, a dream. And I, I, it's absolutely, you know, that's awesome. Well, Jamie, man, where could people find more information about you and the hunter recruitment project that you have going on? Yeah. So, um, the hunter recruitment project is just that on Instagram hunter recruitment project. Um, know the hunter recruitment project. Um, I got a website being built currently and personally it's jamie shira j-m-e-y-s-h-i-r-a-h and um that's uh that's that's most mostly where you can find everything we have going on like i said we should i'm hoping we have a website up in the next 90 days um just to have kind of pictures and recaps and show Mm -hmm. people um but my ultimate goal there too is and, and i forgot to mention this from an from an expansion standpoint is to provide those resources uh, in a singular place 
you know, the podcasts, the videos, the how to's and all of that. Um, so that people can, can come to, you know, when they're trying to learn how to hunt, it's like, you know, and, and I want to, I'm a, I'm a power of three guys. So I think of things in three, it's like, there's three stages, like beginner, intermediate, and you're, you're kind of sailing on your own. And these are the resources you need for stage one. These are the resources you need for stage two, two and, and three, and, and really build it out in a way that it's, it's kind of like an online course yep. to educate people, um, in a fun way through videos and what have you, um, to be, you know, good stewards of the land, uh, to focus on conservation, to focus on um, being the best hunter that they can be and also spreading the message and taking more people. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I've been just fantastic. I, I love everything that you said and I greatly appreciate you coming on and, and uh, sharing that story just because I think you have some amazing things going on and, and going to continue. So thank you uh, for, for doing that and everybody go follow Jamie and the Hunter Recruitment Project and until next time, antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. Make sure you go check out Jamie and the awesome work he has going on for the Hunter Recruitment Project. And uh, check out antlerupoutdoors.com, our YouTube, Instagram, Facebook page. Like and subscribe over there on the YouTube channel. We're going to be coming out with some more content here soon. Those of you shooting your bows, getting ready for tack, keep it going. If you're getting ready for turkey, have fun with that. Best of luck. Thanks again for listening. Antler Up.